praise God for the gospel and for the word of God uh, that's shown us how to be saved, how to know Christ as our Savior, how to be made right with God the Father, uh, how to be indwelt by God the Spirit who enables us to obey uh, the words of God and to be blessed in that. Lord, thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for uh, saving us. Father, thank you for sending your only begotten Son to die on that cross as an absolutely guiltless Savior. Lord, we fret when we see uh, good people suffering. Father, I'm reminded tonight that Christ was absolutely perfect, uh, good in every way, yet he suffered to be my Savior, the way through which my sins could be forgiven, the way through which, Lord, I could have a relationship with you and to know eternal life, to walk with you. Father, I'm sorry tonight that my sins necessitated the death of my Savior, but Lord, I am so very thankful for that Savior. Father, thank you for sending your only begotten Son to die in my place. Lord, that I might have this relationship with you. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I do not deserve all that I know in Christ, but I am grateful. Father, I pray tonight as we um, spend uh, time worshiping you, that we would do just that. Lord, that we would worship you. Father, that we would take our eyes off of all those things uh, just for a moment that um, concern us, that fill our minds with care. Lord, that we leave those things with you and worship you. Lord, you're so very worthy, worthy of our praise tonight, our worship. And so I pray as we sing that you would help us to do just that, to bring you praise, honor, and glory in our worship tonight. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. If you're at home tonight or you're, you're watching some other time on YouTube, our, uh, at least uh, during the week that our services are broadcast live, you can find our bulletins on our website where the song lyrics are. So uh, tonight, uh, if you don't have the song lyrics, you can go to lhbaptist.com, click on About, and then select bulletin. You'll be able to download the bulletin. We keep those updated. So if you're joining us live online and you're not on our email list, that's how you can get our song lyrics. We encourage you to do that and to sing along with us at home. Zach, you come, please. All right, and number, or page number 12 in that bulletin, you'll find hymn number 493, All for Jesus. We'll sing all four verses of All for Jesus. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being's ransom powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my days and all my hours. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my days and all my hours. Let my hands perform his bidding, let my feet ring in his ways. 
Let my eyes see Jesus only. Let my lips speak forth his praise. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. Let my lips speak forth his praise. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. Let my lips speak forth his praise. Since my eyes were fixed on Jesus, I've lost sight of all beside. So enchain my spirit's vision, looking at the crucified. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, looking at the crucified. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, looking at the crucified. Oh, what wonder, how amazing, Jesus, glorious King of kings, deigns to call me his beloved, lets me rest beneath his wings. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, resting now beneath his wings. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, resting now beneath his wings. Well, if you live a life that's all for Jesus, you live your life well, and you live a life that is filled with purpose, uh, God's purpose. Take your Bible tonight, please, and turn back to 2 Timothy, forgive me, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I say back there because uh, I want to pick up before we, or where, I should say where, we left off this morning here in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I intended to go further this morning, but I, I just felt like the Lord had me to... Um, stop where I did, and so I, Brother Ray, I preach that we need to be yielded to the Spirit of God as we minister, and, and of course that includes the pastor, uh, and so I, I try to heed the Lord's leading in all things, including, and very importantly, that would include the preaching here at our church. Uh, I believe the Lord had us to stop where we did this morning so that uh, pastor could kind of reframe the next uh, several verses and our approach to them, and, and that's fine. Uh, that's fine. Um, I want to be uh, as led of the Lord as possible uh, in these things. I want to back up tonight uh, and kind of return for several minutes to where we began our day today, um, acknowledging that uh, we as believers, uh, we have concerns tonight about the state of our nation. And that's not really a political statement. Uh, I say very often, and it bears repeating tonight, that I, I try very hard not to be political in our church. I'm keenly aware that politics uh, can divide a church, and uh, it is not the thing around which we are called to unify. We are called to unify around God and his words alone. And so we take great care in, in that regard. So uh, please do not interpret opening statements tonight uh, as political ones, uh, I beg you. Uh, that said, uh, many of us, most of us, I dare say, would acknowledge tonight that uh, we are concerned for our nation. Uh, we're concerned tonight that our nation is increasingly fallen into a state of disorder and at times, as we look onto our streets and the news reports of our streets, uh, we see chaos. 
There is demonstrating and protesting. And, and listen, I'm happy to say tonight that that uh, practice is constitutional and very much worthy of protection uh, so long as it is conducted lawfully and peacefully. Uh, with that said, there, there sadly is growing lawlessness in our streets. Uh, there is dangerous and an unlawful rioting, uh, and that's resulted in harm both to people and to property. And, and that, of course, that's not okay. Uh, that, is, that is not uh, constitutionally protected. We are concerned tonight that we see leaders and citizens alike refusing to honor our tradition, our constitutional tradition of the rule of law. We see a growing refusal both among citizens to obey the law and, and perhaps even more disturbingly, a growing refusal amongst government to enforce the law, uh, which is nothing short of abdication of the most basic role of government. You understand tonight that God has ordained government uh, to constrain, to constrain the sinful tendencies of, of men and women and everyone. Uh, that's one of the reasons that God has given us government. Of course, it needs to be in the business of performing that duty uh, morally and legally. That's, that's a, a legitimate concern among God's people. With that said, we, we recognize tonight that there is growing unrest and disorderliness and something uh, approaching chaos at times across our land and in our streets. We understand tonight that our first uh, response to the situation, to any concern, uh, needs to be prayer. We need to pray for our nation. And I want us to continue to be a church that does that, to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our leaders, whether or not we agree with them, and perhaps particularly if we don't agree with them. We need to pray for our leaders. Uh, righteous indignation or righteous anger is, is not a wrong thing. Uh, so long as you do not allow it to prevent you from praying for those to whom your righteous anger is directed. Don't let your anger at someone's sin prevent you from praying for them, please. Uh, perhaps uh, that would be on a, a short list of things that please the devil very much. Listen, tonight I want us to take a moment and I want to encourage you to view the situation in our nation very biblically. I want to ask you to view it, as I say so often, through the lens of Scripture. We need to place our, our nation and its situation under the microscope and examine the situation and understand it as biblically as we possibly can. I believe that when we do that, we understand, we begin to understand that the growing social unrest in our nation uh, is actually far more of a spiritual problem than it is a social problem. At least it's a social problem that is rooted in a spiritual problem. Uh, we may choose to view it as a cancer that has been spreading somewhat unchecked for years. That cancer is, is this, and I want you to get this, I want you to hear this, please. The cancer, the spiritual cancer that I believe is at the root of so much of what we're seeing happen in our land today is a growing disregard for the very idea, the very possibility that anyone has the right to exercise authority over us. I believe that far too many people in our nation have simply decided that 
no one has the right to tell them what to do. You understand that a nation that has been based on the rule of law and order, that has been rooted in agreement around a constitution, cannot survive long if most people decide that the authority that stems from those things does not apply to them. That really is at the root of the, the situation that we see here tonight. Now understand this, we, we are a nation that I believe correctly loves liberty. Uh, someone mentioned uh, to me recently that uh, they see that, that some people perhaps may have made an idol of liberty over time. Perhaps our, our love of liberty can be taken to an ungodly extreme and, and, and pursued as a higher end than even uh, a right relationship with God. That, that would be a wrong uh, sense of appreciating uh, our liberties that, that we do enjoy. But understand this, even our liberties are secured and protected by governmental authority. Our liberties would not be secured unless we agree that uh, the government that God has ordained and, and lent his authority to have the right to protect our liberties. Uh, this pastor would not have the right to free speech for long unless we agree that the Constitution uh, authoritatively and legitimately grants that right and that governmental authorities, including the courts, have the protection or the right to protect that authority. Our, our, our civil liberties would not be secured for long unless we agree uh, that God has ordained governmental authority uh, and we do well to heed it uh, and to abide by it. Of course, we are a litigious nation that loves to make use of the courts, and uh, yet today, uh, so many people refuse to accept disagreeable rulings. Uh, no court can tell me what to do, uh, I've heard uh, more than once. Uh, that's a rejection of the governmental authority that God has ordained. And so we recognize tonight that at the root of much of what we see in our nation is a, it's a rejection of the very idea that there is any authority that is binding on me. Uh, it's a rejection of the idea that there's any authority external to me that has legitimacy to constrain me or to direct my behavior. That's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem that is causing a social problem, maybe a political problem. Our nation is increasingly in chaos tonight because far too many people have rejected the notion that any authority can be legitimately imposed over them. The idea that someone has a legitimate right to define what is right uh, and also possesses the right to enforce what is right has been sadly eroded in our country. Now, I said that the problem needs to be viewed through a biblical lens, and indeed it does need to be viewed through a, a biblical lens. I believe that our nation is increasingly in chaos tonight because far too many people Far too many citizens of this great nation have rejected the biblical idea that God both possesses legitimate authority that he exercises over all people equally uh, and that he has the legitimate right to uh, ordain civil authorities this side of heaven to whom he grants 
authority to define and to enforce what is right. Of course, a legitimate civil authority is one that recognizes and bases its uh, determination of what is right and how to enforce what is right according to God's words. That is what is needed in our nation tonight. Uh, our nation, there's a solution. There's a solution to this problem. Our nation needs to rediscover the authority of God, the God of the Bible, the one true God who has a legitimate right to exercise authority equally over all people across all of time. We saw this morning that that God is the Lord. In Isaiah 37 and verse 20, Isaiah prays, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Several verses later, Isaiah adds, thou art the Lord, even thou only. Isaiah was a prophet of God who understood that there's one true God who has absolute legitimate authority over all the people whom he creates. He alone has that authority. He alone is our creator. In Isaiah 44, the prophet says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. The Lord proclaims in Isaiah 45, the next chapter, There is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. In the following verse, the Lord adds, I am God, and there is none else. Listen, people who accept the idea of authority external to myself will look all sorts of places for that authority. They look to people who they agree with more than not, of course. But we need to understand tonight that the one true authority is the Lord God himself. He has every right to exercise authority over all men of all time and to do so equally. His authority has not changed. Whether men recognize it or not, he is a God who has great authority. The Bible repeatedly shows us the authority of Christ in the New Testament. In Matthew 7, uh, the Bible says Jesus taught as one having authority. One who had authority to teach what is right and what is wrong. Of course, he'll have authority to judge what is right and what is wrong. In Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus says, All power, that word has the idea of authority there, is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he went on to give the great commission, go and teach the gospel and baptize the new believer and teach them to obey all that he has said, disciple them. In Mark 1 and verse 27, when Jesus cast out demons, people asked, for with what authority commandeth he the unclean spirits that they do obey him? Do you realize tonight that the demons who have fought and warred against God 
and have since been cast out of heaven, very often recognize the authority of God uh, in a far more complete way than men do. Sometimes even men of God. In John 5 and verse 26, Jesus said, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Listen, there's an answer to the problem that we see in the world today. It is a recognition that the Lord God of heaven is the one true source of authority. His words convey his authority. They reveal his authority, uh, and they reveal what he says is right and what he says is wrong. Uh, they reveal uh, his plan to redeem men who are guilty of being wrong. Uh, they reveal his plan to justly judge men who refuse the way of forgiveness, repentance and faith in Lord Jesus Christ. The words of God reveal a God who is a just, legitimate judge. He's the only one of his kind. There is no other. And so tonight I would submit to you that our nation needs to re rediscover the notion of authority that is binding on all of this, all of us. And, and that begins with the recognition of the authority of God and his words in the life of believers. We need to stop and ask ourselves to what extent am I really uh, recognizing, to what extent do I acknowledge God's authority in my life? To what extent do I recognize God's uh, binding authority upon me uh, to command me to live a certain way uh, as his child, to guide and direct me, uh, to call me into service and to uh, command that holiness that he enables as I simply submit to him? To what extent do I really acknowledge God's authority in my life? Who's calling the shots? Is it God or is it me? Lord, search our hearts tonight. Help us to see where we stand in that regard. Who is on the throne in my life? Have I placed myself there? Or do I recognize that it's my Savior who sits upon the throne exercising absolute authority that is absolutely just and legitimate and binding upon me? Lord, help me to see that. Where do I stand? Do I acknowledge your authority in my life? And then secondly, secondly, we need to communicate these truths to a lost world, a world that is increasingly more broken and disorderly uh, and very chaotic at times, at times like these. We have the answer in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, who has a legitimate right to describe the authorities that he has ordained in our lives for our benefit, for our protection, for our good, uh, and for the purpose of ordering our society 
for his good purposes. We need to share the way of salvation and also teach all the Lord's words, that last part of the Great Commission, which include these great and important and very much lost to the world truths about God's legitimate authority and the very legitimate authorities that he has ordained in our lives. Now, I would submit to you tonight, and I, I think and hope that you will be quick to agree that we will not be legitimately able to encourage others to, to recognize and yield to God's legitimate authority unless we ourselves are doing that. Unless we are uh, not choosing what part of God's word is legitimate and authoritative and, and worthy of our obedience, Unless we come to God and to his word and say, Lord, all of your words are just that. They're your words. They're, they're legitimately yours. You've promised to preserve them, and you have. We have an accurate translation of them in our King James Bible, and all of them, none being lost in, in this translation. Uh, and Lord, we recognize your authority in each and every syllable of each and every word. If we'll come to the Lord in his words and say, Lord, I, I recognize your authority. I recognize that I fall short of living according to all of your words at times. And, and so, Lord, I'm going to ask you to help me not only to recognize the authority of your word, your authority, which is revealed in your words, which guide and direct and, yes, command us. Lord, where I fall short of living according to your authoritative word, help me, help me, help me to align my life, Lord, to the legitimate authority of thy words. We don't get to pick and choose. The minute we do that, when we're trying to describe God's authority to the world, they're going to call us out. They're going to say, yeah, but you pick and choose. You obey this part of God's word, but not that part of God's word. You recognize God's authority here, but you reject it there. So you know what? I'll do the same. I refuse to acknowledge that God has defined marriage as between one man and one woman. When you choose to reject God's authority in other parts of his word. Now listen, if we're living a life that refuses to submit to the authority of all of God's words, lost people who call us out will not be uh, incorrect in questioning our own recognition of God's authority. We need to take up all of his words and ask him to help us yield to his authority in every part of his word, most certainly including even when it's hard. This morning in, in the first part of uh, the second half of chapter 2, uh, we saw teaching for men about being prayerful and living holy lives and dealing with unholy anger. Those are hard things. And, you know, they, those, that teaching hits some of us men, you know, right between the eyes. And we don't like it because it's convicting. And then we began looking at some instruction from God that is very specific to women and 
verse 9, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, uh, women adorn themselves in modest apparel. And, you know, of course, teaching in this area, it, it divides and uh, it causes pastors and churches so much trouble. It should not. Uh, it should not. And it breaks my heart that it does. Uh, it should not. Yes, this is going to be naturally difficult for some ladies, maybe most ladies, to take up and to live because it's unnatural. Uh, we naturally want to be immodest. Let's be honest about that. That's our natural tendency. It's our natural inclination uh, to want to show off our bodies. That's a prideful thing, and it's a lustful thing, and it's wrong. It's sinful. And so God has called us uh, all... And in this passage, women in particular, women of God, to adorn themselves modestly, to cover themselves, and to dress in a, a modest way that is distinct to their gender. We saw in other passages this morning. And uh, the Lord goes on now, and he says, he, he begins to allude to the hierarchy of authority that he has ordained along gender lines. And you know, if I was back in college, uh, in Buffalo, where I attended uh, my undergraduate uh, college, uh, they'd be horrified at what the Bible says here. There would be, a, 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 no doubt, a complete and total rejection uh, of what I'm about to share from God's words tonight. Uh, the people that, that led the so-called gender studies department that was all about uh, increasing uh, or, or promoting uh, equality and, and, and equalness in every way, they would reject what I'm about to share with you from God's word tonight because they would view it as a rejection of the idea that God has created men and women uh, with um, total equality. You know what? He has created men and women equally. We have the same dignity. We are, we are made in God's image in very, very identically the same fashion. Uh, men may tend to be stronger. That, that's a difference. But in the most meaningful ways, God has created men and women um, uh, with the same dignity, with the same rights and privileges. But, but, and this is where the secular gender studies people uh, would begin to uh, they're, they're, the hairs on the back of their necks will begin to stand up as we share the fact that despite the fact that God has created men and women with equal dignity and equal value in his eyes, he has indeed called us to observe a voluntary hierarchy of authority uh, with men placed in a more authoritative position, and women called to recognize, to submit to, uh, to yield to the authority that God has invested in males that he has not chosen to invest in females. Naturally, naturally, uh, we tend not to like that teaching when we're first exposed to it. It seems unfair. It seems ungodly, it seems unloving until we understand God's good and fair and just and legitimate and loving purposes. See, God understands that on a team, not everyone can be the quarterback. God understands that in a police department, not everybody can be the captain. God understands that in a church, not everyone can be the pastor. There has to be a hierarchy of authority so that there can be structure and orderliness 
uh, and the opportunity for uh, an organization to be directed uh, in a, in toward a common goal. Not everyone can occupy the same place, the same role, and the same authority. Just as it is true in a sports team or a governmental entity like a police department or any other business, um, the same truths apply to marriage and family and churches. Understand, I'm, I recognize the vast differences between businesses and churches and between secular relationships and, and godly marriages and families. But I am making a comparison for the purpose of aiding our understanding that God has great purpose for the varying roles and hierarchy levels, if you will, of authority that he has defined along gender lines. He has a role for males, and it includes exercising authority. He has a, an equal but different role for females, for women, uh, and a, a, a different uh, level of authority, that which recognizes the higher authority of men and submits to it the same way that Christ submitted to the authority of God the Father as an equal. God the Father, God the Son are equal in every way, and yet Christ voluntarily submitted to the authority of God the Father who chose to send him to come as a man, still God, but a man now, to die for us in our place. Jesus voluntarily submitted to the authority of an equal, the Father. And ladies are called by God to voluntarily submit to the authority of an equal, their husbands, uh, their pastor, who biblically is called to be a man. This is God's design to ensure the, the functioning and to ensure that the chaos that we see out in our streets does not erupt within our marriages and in our families where parents are called to exercise authority over children and children are called to yield to that uh, and in our churches where members are called to or, uh, recognize the authority that God ordains and pastors that's the only authority we have is uh, that which God has ordained in the office of pastor when we fail to recognize and yield to the structure and the roles associated with the structure and the authority model that God has given in his word, the same chaos that we see in the streets in our nation today begins to erupt in our marriages and in our families and in our churches. We need to war against that. We need to war against that. We don't need to be out in the streets fighting against each other we need to be fighting against the temptation to fall into a worldly model of marriage and family and church organization. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, and, and you've seen that. You've seen too many failed marriages and too many disorderly families, uh, dysfunctional families, and, and you see what's happening in our streets across our nation today disorder, dysfunction, and chaos because far too many people have far too little regard for the authority that God has and has vested in the civil authorities that he has ordained. And so the way back, the only way back is to recognize the authority of God in our own lives 
and that which is invested in leaders, men that God has called, and to teach others to do the same. That's the only way back. Our world has moved beyond the idea that there is legitimate authority that is binding on all men and women. The only way back is for them to see that, hey, the one true God, the one true God has authority uh, and he has ordained authorities here, this side of heaven, and has called you to recognize that and yield to that and to experience the benefits of that, the order and orderliness of that. Um, that'll happen as we commit and recommit ourselves to sharing the gospel and seeing people saved. I want you to see tonight, and we won't belabor this, but please look here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, and, and we're here tonight um, because this is where we are in our series. Uh, we, don't, we don't dwell on issues that may be difficult in our church, but neither do we skip over them. Neither do we plaster over them and, and pretend they don't exist. Uh, they're here, and so we need to be faithful in teaching uh, this orderliness that God has ordained. I think we've made a good case tonight that we need it. We need it. And so we see here uh, Paul writing to Timothy at, in reference to God's instruction uh, to women that recognizes the, the, the submissive role to which he has called them. It's not a natural thing for a lady, but it's a supernatural place that, that God calls them to and enables them to live out. By the way, uh, men are not naturally the leaders to, whom, uh, to which God has called. We, we, we are not naturally good at the role to which God has called us. It's just as hard for us to lead as it is for you to submit to our leadership ladies. Both of us are uh, wired to do the opposite of what God has called us to do. So it's critical that we receive God's instruction and yield to it uh, and receive the supernatural enablement of the Spirit of God to take up the role uh, to which God has called us. We see here in verse 11, the Bible says, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Boy, that's hard. I can only imagine if I'm a lady, that's a hard thing to read. God, I receive it, but that's hard. That, that flies in the face of everything my culture has taught me since I was little uh, in the 1960s for me. That was another time of chaos and disorderliness. We really we recognize today that things have been just papered over for a time. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Please understand this. Paul is not writing these words to Timothy just to kind of recognize the culture of his day and the error of the culture of his day uh, and, 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 you know, with the idea that eventually the culture will catch up uh, with the Lord, and, and you, won't have to, uh, you won't have to heed these verses any longer. No, that's not it. That's not it at all. Uh, this is God's 
order of things. It's not natural, it's supernatural. If we'll receive it and with God's help implement it, there can be order in our lives, in our marriage, in our family, in our churches, in our society, in our communities. God has called women uh, to a position of submission, to not usurp authority. That is to be expressed in very specific ways, including in the church. We understand that God does not call women to serve as pastors. You understand that's not biblical. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I'm anti-women. I'm not. I have a wife. <laughs> uh, I love my wife. I love and respect her and appreciate her very much. I would want her to be in any role that God wanted her to be in. But he does not call women to serve as pastors. He does not call women to teach men. He specifically prohibits it in verse 12. In fact, God's, God goes so far as to prevent women from speaking in the church service. He says, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. That's God's instruction. It's his plan and it's his will. That is an outward expression of a woman's uh, taking up of the position that God has ordained for her and her alone. Uh, men naturally want to go there. Men naturally want to be the ones that are silent, following rather than leading, uh, not exercising authority that God has vested in them, not leading their wives spiritually. That's the role that, that God is calling women here to is the one that men naturally gravitate to, wrongly and sinfully. So ladies, you need to occupy this place so that your husband cannot. Amen? Occupy this place of submission to the leadership and the authority to which God has called your husband. Make him lead. Pray that he will lead. Encourage him to lead. Yielding to his authority will be a great help in that regard. I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Verse 13 says, For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and there's an order to that. Um, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was the one in transgression. Uh, there is the suggestion here that uh, this hierarchy of authority that God has ordained for this time uh, is a result of the fall of man. Uh, verse 14 pretty plainly indicates that, teaches that, reveals that. Uh, I dare say, based on verse 14, if not for the sin in the garden and the fall of man and the curse that is upon all of creation, including us, that we would not need to have this kind of hierarchy of authority. But we do. We live in a world today where it is very much needed, and so God has defined it, uh, here uh, in this passage and other places as well. Now, uh, ladies, take great comfort in verse 15, please. We understand that in Scripture there's this recurring principle of blessings for obedience. Uh, we, we've seen this abundantly throughout our study, our Wednesday night study in the book of Judges. When the people are yielding to God and obeying God and worshiping him rather than one of those 38 idols that we see throughout scripture, uh, God blesses. You don't see oppression of enemies. Uh, all you see are allusions to blessings. 
And so I have no problem tonight teaching that God blesses our obedience. That's a far cry from a health and wealth gospel. We don't come to Christ for health and wealth. We come to him for uh, salvation from the consequences of sin. And yet it is also biblical to say that God blesses our obedience. Ladies, uh, those of you who choose to take up a position of submission, voluntary submission to the authority uh, that God vests in, in men, pastors, husbands, uh, you'll be blessed. That's the idea of verse 15. The Bible says here, notwithstanding, uh, she shall be saved in childbearing uh, if they continue, they being women, uh, continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now, <laughs> there's a, there's a, uh, a difficulty in, in the verse. And, you know, too often people look at this and say, boy, didn't that verse say that uh, a lady will be saved if she has baby? Well, it's not what it says. And certainly if we thought that it said that, we, we'd have to get quickly back into the business of comparing this verse with other parts of Scripture that are more clear about how someone is saved. Zach told us this morning at 9, and I told us this morning at 11, uh, we're saved, according to the Bible, by humbly, humbly repenting of sin and placing our faith in Christ. That's how you'll be saved for sure. But there's blessings for obedience after salvation. And that's the idea here. The Bible says, notwithstanding, she shall be saved uh, or delivered in, in childbearing. This is a picture. Uh, it's a word picture. It's an illustration. It's a metaphor. Uh, it's a metaphor. It's a word picture that alludes to blessings for a lady who will take up those things to which God has called her as a woman. Uh, in context, that would be not usurping authority that God has invested in men, the men of the church, or the men at ho man, man at home if you're married, but rather yielding to those authorities. And then the Lord adds some other areas that are different but related, uh, areas to which he calls women to obedience, uh, and here uh, promises or pictures a promise of blessing. Uh, so see the second half of verse 15. If they continue in faith, uh, if a lady will continue being faithful to God, uh, there's a picture of blessing here for that lady. Uh, to be faithful to the Lord is to be obedient to the Lord. It's to be obedient to love him, uh, and to be obedient to love him is to be obedient to him. Did you hear that? To be obedient to love the Lord is to be obedient to the Lord, uh, including this area uh, an outward modesty, back in verse 9, and an outward submission to the authorities that God has ordained. Certainly there's other areas to which God has called women to be faithful. These are just some examples in this passage. Faithful ladies at Long Hill Baptist Church, I love and appreciate you. I don't love you like I love my wife, but I love you and I appreciate you. I love you in the Lord. I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for your example. And I pray that God will bless you for your modesty, for your submission. I know how hard that is. I know how hard that is. I pray that God will bless you for your modesty and for your submission. 
And if you're still struggling in that area, don't think I hate you for that or I don't like you because of that. No, I pray for you because of that. And you please do the same. Pray, Lord, help me. Help me to yield myself to your authority, to command me to be modest in my appearance and to submit to the authorities to which, uh, the authorities that you've ordained. God, help me. I pray that for you also. And I pray God will bless you as you grow in these areas. God pictures blessings here for ladies who uh, will exercise both faith and charity, love. Faith and charity go together here, as we've already said. But I believe also we could add to that that a, a woman is called to demonstrate love, to demonstrate uh, charity in a practical way, uh, horizontally within the church, to demonstrate love to her husband, yes, and husbands to wives, and to her children, uh, and to her fellow church members, to uh, aid and help uh, to demonstrate a loving charity toward fellow church members. God will bless you for that. Uh, the next part of the verse says, and holiness. God will bless you for your holiness, ladies. Your obedience to the Lord. Please remember, you can't drum that up in yourself. You can't uh, psych yourself up into uh, putting on a, a modest, loose-fitting dress that covers your body uh, on Sunday and then Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday also. You're not going to psych yourself up into that. You're going to yield to the Spirit of God, and He's going to give you grace to do that. By the way, and someone reminded me of this today, just as we are called to obey the rest of God's words every day of the week, uh, modesty should be an every day of the week thing also. Don't have a Christian lady uniform that you wear on Sunday and a very profoundly different Christian lady uniform that you wear the rest of the week. I realize your best dress should be for Sunday, but don't, don't um, submit to the demands of the world, the fashions of the day, rather than submitting to the Lord on Monday through Saturday. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Make your yieldedness and your obedience a seven-day-a-week thing, and let God bless you for that. That's my prayer for you. You'll be blessed as you continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. Self-control. Self-control. Deciding that you will yield to your Lord for his honor and for his glory. Taking control in the sense of you deciding that you're not just going to flow along with the world and whatever is fashionable and whatever thinking is postmodern thinking, the fashion of the day, whatever it is. No, you're going to take control of your decisions and, and rather than being strung along by the world or caught up in the ebb and flow of the world, you decide, you decide, I am going to yield to my God. He has authority. He loves me. He sent his only begotten son to die for me. A terrible, horrible death. Very least I can do to acknowledge that to express my gratitude, to live my gratitude is to live according to his word with a wonderful, humble submission to God, to his authority, 
and to the authorities that he has ordained in my life, this side of heaven, for my good. I pray for our ladies to make that decision and to stick to that decision. Sometimes it's relatively easy to make the decision, but quite hard to stick with the decision. I encourage you to make no provision for the flesh. If there's clothing that should not be in your closet, throw it away. Don't give it away. You'd be making provision for somebody else's flesh. Throw it away. Get rid of it. The pastor won't have anything to wear. Well, buy a little bit as you can and then throw it away, the rest of it. Make no provision for the flesh. Get rid of that which does not belong in your life. Don't place it where you can return to it in a weak moment. That's a hard thing. But if it's not there to fall back into or to put back on, there will be some degree of protection there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for the women of Long Hill Baptist Church. Lord, I am deeply appreciative of them, all of them. Father, just like anywhere else, and just like the men of our church, we're all at different points in our growth. Lord, you are patient with us, and I pray that you help us to be patient with one another. That said, Father, I, I pray also that our ladies and our men have a heart to grow in sanctification, to grow increasingly more into the roles to which you've called us. Father, help our men to be the leaders in marriages and families to which you've called us to be and to not be the followers, to exercise lovingly and righteously the authority that you have vested in us as only you could. Lord, help our ladies to yield to the authority that you have placed into their lives. Help them also, those who are moms, to exercise motherly authority over children in a loving way that brings you honor and glory. Lord, help young people to submit to the authority that you have lovingly provided for them in their lives. Father, I pray tonight that as we each take up the role to which you've called us, exercising authority, submitting to authority, Lord, ultimately submitting to your authority, to thy authority, as we take up these things to which you have called us. Father, I pray that we would yield to you in these areas because you desire it for your honor and for your glory for your pleasure. But Lord, I also recognize tonight that if we will do this with your grace, with your help, through your strength, Lord, people will see that recognizing authority and living according to it, it works. It's not just someone on a power trip trying to Build him or herself up. 
but rather it's the plan of a sovereign, authoritative, legitimate God, the only one of his kind, who has provided a hierarchy of authority, a plan of authority in our home, in our church, in our government, in our community for good and righteous purposes. Father, I pray as people see that in our marriages, our families, and in our church, they will desire to inquire more about it. Lord, help us to take the gospel to this nation that so desperately needs it. Lord, I understand that not too many years ago, our nation was primarily in the business of sending missionaries to other lands where the gospel was unknown. Father, I lament the fact that today we are that land, but I also understand that you've called us to reach people right here. We're, we're the answer. We're the ones to whom you've called to take Christ who is the answer. Christ who is the answer. Lord, help us to be faithful to bring the message, the truth of the gospel to those who need it so desperately. Lord, help us to be examples of the spiritual and practical benefits of recognizing and yielding to your authority and to the various earthly authorities this side of heaven that you have ordained for your good purposes and for our benefit. Lord, I thank you again for all the people of our church, the men, the women, the young adults. Have your hand upon each of us, please. Father, bless us. Help us to yield to you. Help us to know your grace, your strength as we do. Lord, thank you tonight for your patience with us. But I pray tonight we would not take your patience and mercy as an excuse to not grow or to delay growing. Lord, help us to recognize that just as there was no sense in delaying the decision to come to Christ, there's no sense in delaying a decision to grow in our yieldness to you. So Lord, help us to make that decision tonight to simply present ourselves a living sacrifice to you for your purposes. As we do, I pray you strengthen us and grow us. Help us each to be in the place that you've called us to, doing the things that you've called us to, recognizing the authority that you have provided to us for your good and righteous purposes. Lord, I love you. I thank you. And I pray all of this now in Jesus' name.